0: And welcome to Storyboard 30. This is the show taken right out of the pages of Storyboard Memphis, the journal that brings you Memphis stories, ideas, connections, and community in one place. And I am Mark Fleischer, publisher of Storyboard Memphis, and your host for the next 30 or so minutes of Storyboard 30. Well, my guest today, uh, quote, unquote, eats, sleeps, and breathes Memphis, a proud Memphian since 2005. She sees her beloved city with a fresh perspective and finds that the contagious energy of her fellow Memphians provides constant inspiration and knowledge for daily articles and online musings through the award-winning I Love Memphis blog. She is a graduate of the University of Memphis, an internationally published writer, a 2016 Southern Living Southerner of the Year, and editor of the I Love Memphis blog since 2013. I can be talking about none other than Holly Whitfield, of the Olive Memphis blog, and also the author of the new book, Secret Memphis. Holly, welcome to Storyboard 30.
1: Thank you so much, Mark. I'm very excited to be here.
0: You're coming onto the show um, kind of, you know, this is crazy. We're in crazy times right now. Yes. Uh, A lot going on. A lot of very, very serious discussions happening around the city, appropriately so. Um, But you come on today is really, I I feel like a a breath of fresh air, you know? (laughs) Yeah. I mean, to talk about something that we all love, um, which is really just to talk about the, 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 all the little um, secret parts of Memphis, you know, hidden Memphis that um, really Memphians and even visitors to the city love so much. So obviously we want to talk about the book, your new book. Uh, And then, uh, and also, talk a little bit about the uh, the blog. Um, So, the the new book is uh, "Secret Memphis: A Guide to the Weird, Wonderful, and Obscure." Um, There are, I'm just going to give listeners an idea. There are 198 spots (laughs) in the book. Why don't we go back for a second and talk about um, what was your, I mean, I I probably know the answer, but uh, what's, what was your inspiration for putting the book together?
1: So I have always wanted to write a book since I was a child in the books and, you know, had that deep connection with books and wanted to create that of my own to share with other people. So that's the first thing you need to have. Um, And then second of all, I've been writing about Memphis for many years, for over a decade, even before I Love Memphis, all different things in Memphis. I've written about everything from um, Memphis homes, Memphis architecture. In my sorted past life, I was a wedding writer, which is a fun fact about me. Interesting. Uh, yes. <laughs> um, and then, of course, going on doing the I Love Memphis blog for now, oh gosh, about you know, seven years. And during that time, I'm always surprised at what surprises people. So I'm always getting questions that I may know the answer to or that I may have a general understanding about, but that other people are just endlessly fascinated by. So it's kind of like you read in my introduction on the back cover. It's other people's enthusiasm and questions and sort of even confusion at times. Now, what, what is that place again? You know, what is that cemetery? Or like, where did that happen? I know there was something about a gangster, but I don't know the story. And so I've kind of been collecting those questions and thoughts and um, that curiosity from other people for a time. And so when I was approached about writing this book, which is a series, there's a series of secret books um, featuring other cities. So when I was approached to do the Memphis one, I was there already. Like I was, I was right there with the concept and the ideas.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, you know, what, what's, what's great about this too, and this speaks to exactly what you're talking about, is that, you know, I would say to Memphians, the majority of these spots are familiar, right? right. However, what you get into with each location is something that's secret within the location, right? You know, or did you know this about the location? You know, um, you know. I'm just going to randomly pick some of the pages that I've I've earmarked here. You know, like the Taco Bell on Union Avenue. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> that is everyone's. That's everyone's favorite. <laughs> that's
0: funny. I just happened to flip to that. Yeah, that's. I mean, obviously, I didn't know that. You know. Um, people pass by that talk about all the time or go to the drive through or whatever. But, you know, it's those types of things in the book that are so much fun just to, you know, literally just flip through and pick a page. Right. And you're gonna Find something fascinating. I'm know? glad
1: to hear you say that. And I've heard a couple other people give that same feedback because my method in choosing, which you can call them secrets. You can call them stories. You can, most of them are, physical places you can go to as well. But in picking them was to say, okay, it's either going to be something that I think a lot of people have not heard of and will be just totally new to it, or it's a place that people are familiar with, but they just don't know the whole story. So everything I chose had to be something like that. And I assumed that there would be people um, like yourself who are very informed about Memphis and passionate about Memphis and and even write about Memphis. And so you're going to know most of the places, I mean, obviously you're going to know the Botanic Garden, you're going to know the Dixon, you're going to know these places, but maybe you don't know, you know, the secrets behind them, or some aspect of them, or even something new about them that's happened in the last few years, Um, because the book is not, there's a ton of history, but it's not only history, it's, it's newer things as well, or newer chapters to older stories, I guess, is a, neat little way to put it
0: (laughs) yeah yeah in your introduction you know you mentioned um the book is for lifelong lifelong uh, memphians for recent transplants to the city for people planning to visit folks who don't know a thing about memphis besides the fact that graceland is here um and it really does it does it, it it does gear toward all of those groups you know um
1: which can we be progressed.
0: hard to do but i have tried <laughs> well, well you were very successfully um you you did and uh, and and we were talking before we started recording the show about you know the the typical tourist or many tourists when they visit a city would prefer to see the insiders uh, view of the city or the right. insider's perspective and where do the locals go and all that and it touches on a lot of those things um but like you said, you know, all these spots are mostly familiar to Memphians, but what they didn't know was all, like you said, all these little details, which are so much fun. Now for me personally, I have to say that I, I would, and I, I would have to guess you've gotten this feedback. Memphians <laughs> testing themselves. Yes. You know, it's like open up the table of contents and go, okay, Mason Temple, I know where that is, you know. Right. Um, that was the mountaintop speech, or, or sometimes people will say, the Claiborne Temple was the mountaintop speech. And you go, no, it wasn't. Right? <laughs> <laughs> but you open up any page, you know, um, uh, from the table of contents and you, you know, uh, you find out, oh, I bet I know what she's going to talk about here. And you go, oh, no, it's something different. So there's right. surprises throughout.
1: And even, you know, myself, I knew there were some places that I wanted to include. I mentioned the Dixon, the Botanic Gardens earlier, just because they're great examples of this. But I knew that I wanted to have those places in the book because, you know, they're not as famous as Graceland. People are familiar with them. But so I went and I met with the people who work there and the groundskeepers that have been there for however many years and basically just said, give me the most in-depth, out-of-the-box, weird commentary tour that you can give me because I'm going to find something here. And so, for example, at the Dixon, it was this very, very old elmwood tree that survived the, you know, elm disease. And he actually, his name is Elmer. And they do all of these really in-depth scientific and botanical things to keep him alive um, and I mean, it's just a tree. So if I say to someone like, oh, the Dixon has a really old tree, you're going to be like, okay, cool. You really wrote a book about that. But I think <laughs> when you get in there and you start reading it and you learn about the place where the tree is and the kind of area, it, the kind of scene really that it creates there, um, you'll see why I decided to include it. It's also really interesting too. And this was something that When I was kind of at that place in my first draft in the book where it was difficult (laughs) because writing a book is very difficult and is not like writing a blog, I got to this place where I was, you know, I don't want to call it writer's block, but I was probably that. And I talked to a man who had grown up in the Memphis area, not in the city limits, but he'd grown up in the Memphis area his whole life. Um, he's a middle-aged person and he's very educated and he knows a lot about the city but he hasn't lived in Memphis for a couple decades and so he was back for Christmas and he was a family friend and so we were just talking about stuff and he was talking about you know what he wanted to do and maybe he kind of wanted to do like a tourist in your hometown and he was talking about Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. and he was talking about that you know his assassination in Memphis and he was like So where, where was he assassinated? And I kind of want to just say, like, are you kidding? But of course I didn't, because I try to be nice. But Mm -hmm. he was like, I mean, I know we have the Civil Rights Museum, and I know we have so and so and so and so, but like, where is the thing? Like, where is the actual thing? And it kind of made me realize, like, And maybe that's an extreme example, but it kind of made me realize, like, the way that our education system is, we gloss over some of these things, you know, we know a quote from Dr. King, or we know there's a civil rights museum, we know it as an amenity, we know it as a tourist place, but we don't make the connection of why he was even here, or what that has to do with what's going on in our country, in our city now. And this person who was clearly, you know, passionate about the city and a very open person still just hadn't had the connection made for him. Like, no, that really is where the assassination happened. That is where racism happened. And so I did actually end up including the Civil Rights Museum in the book, even though I initially was not going to um because I just assumed it was so well known but I wanted to frame it as this is the history that is also like the story is not over is continuing to happen um so those are the kinds of of things I try I mean there's so many (laughs) there is so much to talk about but those are the kinds of things that really inspired me at the end there to kind of get through and say oh no these stories you know need to be told and these people's names need to be said. And it's no judgment on them. I mean, it's, it's about, we all have busy lives and we're all, you know, we're all doing capitalism and we're all going to work every day. And we're all, you know, we have kids and families and this and that. I mean, it's, I mean, maybe, maybe that's something you should know, but overall people are not eat, sleeping and breathing Memphis and that's okay. And so that's why I'm here to answer your question
0: <laughs> <laughs> well that's, that's the thing too, is that, yeah, um, you know in, in our work, we are you know eating, sleeping, breathing Memphis. yeah, it does make a difference yeah. so that leads me to my next next, next question is that you, you mentioned interviewing people, how long did this take you to get through? <sighs> and, And compile your list. I mean, were there any things that didn't make the list that you wanted to make the list or?
1: Yes, there were some things that didn't make the list and that I think of now and am sad about, but I I don't think about that list all the time. I I have it somewhere. I keep it, you know, maybe there's going to be part two one day, Um,
0: Mm
1: but it was, hard, it was hard to make the list and narrow it down, but it definitely wasn't hard to come up with options and ideas. I mean, I started out with some enormous spreadsheet. I started out talking to a lot of people I wanted to be sure that I covered some, you know, all parts of the city. Mm-hmm. So that was that. But it took me, I think it took me about nine or 10 months to do the initial draft. Now keep in mind, I have a full-time job um, and I'm a very active member of a wiffle ball team. So I, you know, have a lot of demands on my time. <laughs> um, but in all seriousness, you know, it takes a lot longer. And I will say I cert- I did underestimate the amount of time and work that it would take to do this because I, you know, am familiar with so many of these places. But then you get into it and you say, oh, no, this needs to be exactly Right. Um, I can't just and one example of that was the Chickasaw um, Heritage Park and the Chickasaw Mounds there, which I can tell you more about if you want to know. But that's just an example of one site that I kind of thought that I was going to be able to say, okay, this is it. This is what happened. I already know that. Um, mm-hmm. But I, you know, when you start down, sit down to do the research, it takes a lot longer. So. Nine or 10 months, you know, just like a baby or a child. Uh, and <laughs> then another couple of months of editing and some really great editing from my publisher, which is Reedy Press based in St. Louis. And they work with local authors in cities around the country. So even though they're not based in Memphis, they work with, obviously, a Memphis author to create this mm-hmm. um, and other Memphis books that they've done. And then, you know, you just wait a couple of months and then it's a pandemic. And then you release a book and you're like, all right, well, this is what we're doing. And Mm -hmm. we're not having a launch party. We're not having a book signing, um, but we're doing it. So the whole entire process took about 18 months, like a year and a half from like day one of discussion to the book is in my hand.
0: That's not bad. That's not bad. That's (laughs) that's actually, that's pretty good when you consider uh, the, the research that goes into these things. Uh, And also, I mean, just the time to arrange for interviewing people, you know. um, Like I said, you know, this is just not stuff you go dig through a website and you find these secrets. This is something that takes, you know, a lot of research and and talking to people. 18 months is pretty pretty darn good.
1: Yeah, if I had to do it, I'd probably ask for more time. (laughs) But that's okay, you know, I've never written a book before. So this is my very first one. I'm I'm very proud of it, even though it was hard and challenging. But that's why you do things like this.
0: <laughs> so you mentioned the 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 Chicksaw Mounds and uh, over the French Fort, you know, area Metal museum. Tell yeah. me about your experience there.
1: Okay, so even though we've I've talked a lot about research, and I'm about to talk more about research, the secrets and stories in this book are not. Super duper long. It's not like you're going in 10 pages on each one. It's actually quite short. And so the amount of material that I can talk about with each individual place is pretty short. However, there are some things that I just wanted to be sure I got really, really right. And so if you're not familiar, Chickasaw Heritage Park has these Native American grassy mounds. They're not burial grounds, but If you think about burial grounds, they look like it's next to the metal museum. It's French Fort, as you said, it's next to the Marine Hospital. So there's so much history in Memphis right there. And I'm thinking, I just want to talk about the fact that the first people who lived in Memphis were the indigenous people who built these mounds. And this is a historic site. Mm -hmm. And so I go there and I'm walking around and they have a lot of historic plaques there and they talk about on, on these plaques on these markers. They talk about the fact that this is the site. That area is the site where Hernando de Soto, you know, colonizer first arrived in the Memphis area. First saw the Mississippi River. Perhaps even it was implied on this marker um, from the view from the mounds, which are. Quite tall like you you'd be surprised they've been there for hundreds of years and they're still really really steep like wear appropriate footwear when <laughs> when scrambling yeah. them. um and it was talking about how when he arrived of course the Chickasaw people were living there and their chief Chiska was using the mounds as a fortress and I said chief Chiska who is that? Is that a real person? Like, that sounds really great. It sounds really great. You have this jerk Hernando de Soto coming up here thinking that he's gonna discover the river, and then there is this, you know, beloved chief, and they're using the. I mean, Chief Chisca, and then now we've got Chisca Hotel, and we've got the Memphis Chicks baseball team. We, you know, we've co-opted the use of this. I don't know. I just didn't believe that he was real for some reason or maybe just my inner skepticism. And so I did a lot of furious Googling and really couldn't find a whole lot on the actual person of Chief Chiska, which I thought was kind of the key to the story. But I kept going and I kept going and I kept Googling and I'm going reading this like really insensitive account of the event from the 1800s written by somebody who thought they were a historian. And then I'm reading... Um, and they're quoting another historian's book. So then I find that person's, you know, book. Thank you, Google Reader. And I end up going all the way back to what amounted to essentially a secondhand account of the actual expedition that landed in Memphis with Hernando de Soto. Um, so... It's a book called La Florida del Inca, written by um, a Portuguese person who got the story from someone that was on the expedition. And I'm like, again, furiously on Google Reader, like I know a little bit of Spanish, I'm trying to like translate it. But the plaques are real, is basically what I'm saying. Uh The people who made those uh, historic markers knew what they were doing, not surprising. Um, Chief Chiska is a real person who was using those mounds as a fortress, and then those mounds were later used as a fortress um, for in the Civil War, and unfortunately, the Chickasaw people that were in the area, so it's not like just that one village is the Chickasaw people. They were spread out across the Mid-South. You know, years later, they were forcibly removed by the U.S. government, And that's the sort of sad part of that story. They left through Memphis on the Trail of Tears. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I just uncovered this whole, I mean, it was already uncovered, but personally I uncovered this whole thing that happened in this one place that tells a story and there's a sculpture there that speaks to all these things. Mm -hmm. So it was a really long answer to your question. But to me, I stayed up like all night one day just going back and back and back and finding quotes that were from each successive source until I basically went back as far as I could go personally, not being a historian or an academic myself, just being a writer. Mm -hmm. Um, So I I nerded out over
0: that so hard. (laughs) Well, you know, it's easy to do that with any of these topics. Yeah. Yeah. This one, in particular, though, I find you know there's a few places in Memphis where if you want to go back prior to 1900, let's say, and get a sense of what was Memphis like, you know how did why why was Memphis founded here specifically, why why along the Mississippi River here, that's one of those places that kind of answers one of those questions, you know, I think right because of the location and because of the, 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 you know, the bluff and the, and the, the view of the river, not to mention the, the actual heritage of that site. Um, Shelby forest is another place to me that feels like, what was it like 150 years ago, 200 years ago, whatever. Yeah. So back to readers for a second um, because you know, with part of this geared toward Memphians, you know, a lot of these topics and your di- or deep dives into the topics help answer questions <laughs> that Memphians might have, maybe questions they didn't know they had. You know, like I just flipped to um, Little Milton. Yeah. Who's sitting in the, on the bench in front of the Blues Hall of Fame, you know, so many people have probably driven by there or walked past her a hundred times and never asked, who is that? <laughs> right? right? Yeah. But he's there's actually, so
1: many... He's a real person. Like, he's he was a, a real person.
0: <laughs> he's, exactly. Yeah. But there's so many little places in the, in the book um, that kind of help, you know, answer some of those questions that people didn't even know they had. The, the Hidden Skate Park. I love that one. Now this is one I did not know. I mean, actually there's a, a number of things in here I didn't know. But, yeah,
1: I to ask you, what, what did you not know?
0: <laughs> oh, there's a ton of stuff in here I didn't know. Cause I, like I said, I was familiar with most of the sites, but um, but what I marked are things that I really had no idea about whatsoever. Um, the, the blue dudes. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> I love it. The V&E Green Line Sculptures. Uh, true little little hidden gems you know in the shadow of crosstown concourse across the across the uh, North Parkway right
1: right and I like that one too because again it's it's a lot about history but there's also things that have happened in the last 10 or 15 years like those were those sculptures were created by students and Mem- art students in Memphis and you know they're relatively new. Um, and that's kind of cool. The same with the, the Alt Town Skate Park you just mentioned. So I did try to bring in some things like that. And there were also things that were happening while I was writing the book. I mean, almost exactly a year ago, they unveiled the Man in Black Johnny Cash statue in Cooper Young. Mm-hmm. And I was there for that unveiling. And I was thinking, I mean, if I had written this book and finished it six months ago, I wouldn't be able to include this. Yeah. So that was really cool. And like the Coliseum and the antenna historic marker. I don't, I don't want to give away all the secrets. But.
0: Um, I want to ask a serious question, a little bit more serious question, because, you know, uh, we mentioned, you know, we're in the middle of a pandemic still. Uh, we have, you know, these serious discussions going around in town. How did you feel knowing uh, as the seriousness of the pandemic started to reveal itself, knowing this book was coming out? How did you feel about the release of the book? you mentioned no book tour you know right. uh, things like that has it felt any less um, special or a disappointment that that it's it's been been released at this point?
1: Yeah, I think disappointment is too strong of a word um, but I you know there was a certain way that I envisioned this going where you know I'm Hanging out with friends, having a beer at Memphis Made, and I'm talking to people, and I'm signing books, and we're kind of doing it that way, and that was really fun, in my mind, way to cap off this sort of experience, and also easier way for people to get the book, um, and for me to sell the book, if we're talking about that side of it, and, you know, now I'm kind of, like, running a bookstore, like, out of my living room, (laughs) and, and directing people to bookstores which i was going to do anyways but i'm not able to sort of be there um but it's everybody has had to make adjustments in their life it's not like i have some great tribulation having to release this book during this time so i'm in you know a, a i think it technically came out like may 20th or 20 something so there were several months that i anticipated that i knew that it was going to be like this. And so I didn't really have a ton of, you know, gnashing of teeth. The thing that I was more concerned about is, you know, a lot of people are uncomfortable with self-promotion, especially people who aren't like salespeople naturally. And so I'm anticipating that I'm going to switch into that role once this book is released um, as an expectation for myself and for my publisher. And it's just not, the time it's not the time for my white voice to be totally um drowning out anything or taking up um taking up more space um I don't think there's anything wrong with me telling people that the book is released I mean it is released it has happened I cannot make it not be released uh yeah that was happening but I have tried to be respectful at the very least in the way that I have talked about the book and promoted the book and things have been postponed and interviews like this one have been postponed, which is honestly the very least I can do. And so I also hope that I've done a decent job in the book. I mean, I, I use the word racism in the book several times, which is not really what I thought I would be doing when I started. But as I got into these stories, I was like, this is just so important for people to know that the criminal justice system reform and the Black Lives Matter movement in Memphis is not like brand new. Like this has been going on since aforementioned colonizer arrived. And so maybe it gives people some perspective on some of those difficult stories that I did not shy away from. And then also, maybe it is a little bit of a breath of fresh air, like you said, to people. Um, I was really surprised at how excited people were when I, you know, announced the book, but I have had a lot of people say, I just wanted to hear some good news for once, which is a privilege to be able to enjoy something like that and good news. It's just, it's hard to talk about. It's hard to say the right thing. And All I can say is that I'm trying to learn and I'm trying to, like, this definitely would have looked different if the moment was different. And I have an Instagram account that I wanted to really push a lot of these kind of behind the scenes stuff. And I'm just like, it's just not the time, like, unless I'm going to use that platform to amplify other people's voices and raise money. And, you know, unless I'm going to use it for that, it's just... Um, a time for me to listen a little bit. So I've been a little bit, I mean, as loud as I have been, I've been a little bit quieter than maybe I would have been and maybe I could have done it better, a better job, but I'm asking as many questions as I can. I'm learning as much as I can. And I definitely just want people to know that this is not new. This is a struggle. This is, has been going on, um, for a really long time and black women and black men have been leading that (laughs) from the beginning. Um, And so we need to just, we just need to know that we just need to acknowledge that. And again, hopefully people will learn something about that from the book. And then hopefully other people will be able to take an evening and read through it. I've had several people say, oh, I just read the whole thing in a day, which is kind of great. I mean, so you took a day and you didn't worry about the toilet paper stock at the grocery store, you know, like that's. So that's good. I'm glad the connection that people have had to that and the enjoyment they've had has meant a lot to me.
0: Mm-hmm. That's exactly why I said breath of fresh air to start this. Cause that's, that's exactly what it feels like. Um, regarding um, Black Lives Matter and all that, you mentioned a key word there, which I think is important to remind folks of which is listening, you know, um, especially, you know, you and I sitting here, we're both white right uh, and that's something that i have been saying off you know often right now is listen you know just keep listening um this is not the time for us to share i mean our our opinions yet i almost feel like it's a time to keep listening to the voices because there's not been enough of that
1: right and there's a lot of people who are who are brand new that are just just now understanding why they want to say Black Lives Matter and that is a good thing, but we all need to be listening because there's more people that need to internalize that. Uh,
0: Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly, yeah. There's something very special here you did, which is um, this place is near and dear to my heart too, and I want to ask you about it. Um, We are blessed to have a few terrific bookstores in town, wonderful bookstores. We have, of course, Novel Memphis in, uh, at Laurelwood, East Memphis. The Book Juggler uh, down South Main across the street from Central Station. Yeah. Uh, and then we have Burke's Books. Yeah. And so I want to ask you, you chose to put Burke's as the first picture before the table of contents here. Um, why did you choose Burke's?
1: um I just I felt like it brought so many things together for me um what I mentioned at the beginning about how I've always wanted to write a book and my connection with books since I was very small um and so having this bookstore which is essentially a beacon of like comfort and literature and stories um having that be a, the picture there at the start um, i took most of the pictures in the book actually and i took that picture during the holidays so there's like you can kind of tell there's mm-hmm. some slides and stuff so it's it's warm it's welcoming it relates to my love of books i also live in cooper young and have lived in cooper young for a long time um, so having something for my neighborhood it basically became personal um, I mean it's a book like put a bookstore it's <laughs> another <is the> <laughs> thing like it's a it's a great picture it has a lot of different elements in it it has the ginkgo bike rack thing which looks more like a sculpture than a bike rack it's got the sidewalk sale books out there and that actually is I took the, that picture several years ago just walking around the neighborhood and so, there's just a lot of personal moments and feelings that I had about it, and then also, of course, it is a fantastic shop and a beautiful thing that we have in Memphis that is you know how old are they now what hundred something years old um the number yeah. but they have been around through everything and have adapted the current owners are amazing, so I was proud to have it there and proud that that photo when going through all my archives of my thousands of photos I've taken over the years I was like ah this one gives me a good vibe it passes the vibe check for sure I think the sign that they have now is even different like it's like a vintage photo now but I like it
0: Mm-hmm. yeah um, on a personal note for me too I um, I made it a point that when I got my first print run of storyboard that I took it there first. Yeah. (laughs) So Cheryl, Cheryl and Corey got the very first copies of storyboard. Um, Yeah. It's, it's a, it's a special place, really special place. Yeah. Um, A few other quick tidbits about the book. And then I want to ask you about the blog, the i Memphis blog a bit, Uh, a little few more tidbits about the book for, for listeners. It's, it's a lot of fun. Um, there's not just tidbits in and this you know well hidden histories of these places but also where it's located you know so specifically where the where these these locations are like by address yes. or by corner um whether or not there's any cost to enter you know all uh, the uh, tips yep and you've got the little tips which is a lot of fun so yeah it's it's um it really does fit kind of your vision for this which is an insider's tour some hidden memphis but also a, a little bit of a guide like like you mentioned in your inter- introduction a different kind of different kind of guide it's a yeah. lot of fun
1: <laughs> thank you
0: so you have been the editor of the of memphis blog as we we mentioned since 2013 So, listeners, again, you know, if you're not familiar with Holly's work, you know, the other Memphis blog, here, um, are they still running the Friday mornings at on uh, WKNO right now, or have they? We
1: are on hiatus with that, but I feel I was just thinking about that this week that soon it will be time to reinstate those. it's so, that's so fun. So the blog, one of the most popular things on the I love Memphis blog, which is at I is our weekend guide. It's five things to do every weekend. And so a few years ago, the folks from WKNO asked me if I would kind of turn that or part of that into a little teaser radio segment. And I've loved doing that for several years and they've been super patient to help me get that segment together Um, And so many people say, oh, I heard you on NPR. Like, I hear you on NPR every day. And I said, I'm only there on Fridays, but okay. (laughs) Um, And unfortunately, that's just been on hiatus because, I mean, how many virtual concerts can I talk about? Um,
0: Mm
1: -hmm. But I'm looking forward to when I can reinstate that.
0: (laughs) Yeah. And talk about actual real live events and and all that. Yeah. So... The um, the Olive Memphis blog um, we were talking about before the show it's been around now since 2009 right right <clears throat> and it's evolved as you mentioned um, so it is more than just a blog of what you love about Memphis and what I'll say we love about Memphis we as in the you know Memphians right but it's also an event listing, you know, what's going on this weekend, what's going on in general. Um, You've also had to adapt a bit during the pandemic, right? Right. Just like so many of us, you know, having to share some, you know, COVID related uh, tips, warnings, things like that.
1: Right. Um, And the blog has always been maybe even, first and foremost, a resource, an information resource, just a ton of info, um, really specific info. And so it became even more important that that was the role that Isla Memphis played, especially at the beginning of the pandemic. I mean, people were coming to me and coming to the blog to find out what's going on in the city, and that was what was going on in the city. Um, And so I did my best to share information from official sources, and it's a little bit, you know, it's not fun, uh, necessarily, but it was important, and then it was important as kind of we evolved into, we're doing takeout now, we're doing curbside, you know, restaurants and food doesn't play a big role in the Secret Memphis book, but it plays a huge role in what I'm doing with I Love Memphis, and so just trying to support local restaurants and getting people to go out to those, so I mean, it was definitely a challenge, but it was just, it made sense with the role that we already play in trying to help people, trying to just help people have the best Memphis experience they can, whether that's not being able to go out and having to get food delivered or whether it's going to a humongous festival that maybe we will have again one day.
0: <laughs> we hope. <laughs> oh. Yeah. Looking out over the last few years with the blog, you know, there's so much information on that blog yeah. and you have contributors, right? right. Um, but one of the things I, I, I came into this interview curious about is, is it just you or <laughs> is it—is it a set of contributors? Is it a whole office of people? So you mentioned you might have something interesting to say, to, to share about that. <laughs>
1: I mean, I don't don't know if interesting is my word, but you're like, is it just you? And the answer is basically yes. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: It basically is me. Um, Most of the content that you read on there was written by me. It's kind of a living, breathing thing at this point. Being almost 11 years old, we have so many years of content that is still relevant whether that was something that my predecessor wrote or something that i wrote when i first started things that are updated regularly but it's it's like it's not as though i'm creating every single thousandth of posts from scratch every month so it's kind of built up um it's a little less overwhelming when i think of it that way so that's good but we mm-hmm. do have contributors um it's, I'm always trying to get more, more contributors. Things are kind of on hold this spring. Um, unfortunately, the big push that I wanted to do to hire more people, I call them contributors because freelancers just doesn't fully describe it. But it's essentially people who either have an expertise, whether it's um, Blake Markham, who is a champion barbecue cooker and a huge beer aficionado that writes about those topics for the blog, or someone like Wesley Perham, which is one of our, um, he stays busy contributing to the blog and he writes about all kinds of things, whether it's how mad we are that the radio station changed its format or music. He does a lot of great Memphis music that I have never heard of, um, like today, like modern Memphis music. Um, so I really, I love the contributor program. I want it to be more robust, but for the most part it is me in front of my laptop, <laughs> frantically trying to do this whole thing. I am, of course, part of the team at Memphis Tourism. There's disclaimers all over the blog that I'm a full-time employee for our tourism board. Um, and I'm a part of the team. And so I'm helping them with stuff. And sometimes they're helping me with stuff. Um, for the blog, we try to help each other out because it's not good or fun to create in a total vacuum. Mm-hmm. Um, it's very much a lot of blood, sweat, and tears on my part and my predecessor
0: and our contributors. <laughs> yeah. So, in looking at it, it can't, it can't. You can't possibly have access to all that information at the same time. So, how do you gather? Your information for the for the blog
1: well luckily because the blog is well known and has been around for so long people email me every single second of every single day with a ton of information and I always wish that I could share all of it and that's just not physically possible but, you know, I'm, I'm a part of, it's kind of weird being like being media, but then not being media, but I'm considered media mostly. And so I'm on a lot of these lists and things. So I can kind of get, um, a lot of great information from the people representing all the different businesses, restaurants, events, and organizations in town. So they're coming to me with information, which is great because I probably wouldn't be able to do it otherwise. Um, and then it's just talking to people. I mean, we have the Memphian meat feature which is just another thing that I really want to grow where I do like fun Q&As with other, um, other native Memphis natives or Memphis transplants and so it's a combination of people sending me things that I then curate and translate um, because I'm not a huge fan of like the PR speak. I love PR people but I'm not a huge fan of that voice. Um, so I translate into I of Memphis and I get all those emails and I also do a lot of interviews and then I also do a lot of furious Googling. Um, I mean, that's just the fact. So especially when you're compiling a list that it's primary function is to not, it's just to inform. Um, I'm happy to do the work of figuring out everybody that's open their dining room. So you can decide if you want to go, or if you don't want to go either way, Mm -hmm. you know, if it's open. (laughs)
0: yeah 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 the 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 work has changed in that arena a little bit in the last number of months yes yeah yeah
1: yeah. and it changes constantly too um so that's a challenge so i appreciate people's patience with that um
0: because
1: every day i feel like oh yes i just got done with this update okay it's all outdated we got to redo it
0: (laughs) (laughs) the 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 news, the changes, the press releases, they have been furious, you know, in the pace in the last few months and especially the very beginning of the pandemic. It was just, it was nuts.
1: The very beginning was like nothing I've ever experienced. I mean, every device, I, every notification on every app on every device I had was discombobulating. It was just going full haywire.
0: Yeah. So with, with all that's going on, the, you know, the pandemic, Black Lives Matter and everything else, it's easy to sometimes lose focus on the, the core root of what you do and, you know, even with a storyboard, what I do, which is basically a love for Memphis. So the obvious question is, Holly Whitfield, why do you love Memphis?
1: Oh, yes. This is... Um, Everybody's favorite question, and also my favorite question to ask people as well. Um, Clearly, this is something that I could talk about for a long time, but mainly it is because the inspiration that I get from talking to other Memphians propels me every single day. Um, If I'm ever feeling bogged down in, you know, everybody has a moment where they feel bogged down in their work or their day-to-day. Um, or they're feeling rightfully overwhelmed by, as you said, everything that's going on, if I can connect with another Memphian about something in Memphis that they're passionate about, or if I can connect with a story about Memphis, there's something special about this city, and it just gives me an energy and an appreciation, or, you know, at times, you know, it's humbling, Um, so it just it makes me a better person in a way, um, or pushes me in that direction. Uh, but yeah, because Memphians are really amazing, whether they're working to solve problems or whether they're being creative or whether they're being, um, outspoken or whether they're doing things their own way, which I love, um, whether they're protesting or whether they're making delicious food. I mean, I could just go on and on about, about that, but, um, it's really just the people. I don't know. Everyone says that, but it is just the people.
0: Mhm. Yeah. When did you realize, you know, you being in transplant now and being here for, for how many years now?
1: It will be 15 years in August.
0: Wow. Wow. Yep. What was it you realized and when after having been here for, for whatever time? that there was something special about memphis
1: well i sensed that there was something special about memphis at least for me like the first time i ever visited um the university of memphis campus when i was doing college visits which is going to the u of m is what brought me to the city and i couldn't put my finger on what that was it's probably a combination of just an 18 year old being in a quote unquote larger city for the first time and the excitement of that. Um, But also the city felt accessible. You know, it didn't, it wasn't too overwhelming. It was a great, it was a great size for somebody that was coming out of a college town um, in South Mississippi. And I think the first few years I was really focused on school, but as I was able to branch out whether through school or just my life. I started waiting tables. Um, I made friends outside of the college and just, it was kind of like when you're getting to know someone and you're like, this person's pretty cool, but the more time that you spend with them and the more you get to know them and like learn something unexpected about them, you like them more and more and then you become friends. Uh, Mm -hmm. But Memphis was like that for me. It was kind of like the more I learned, the more I liked and also, like a person, there's things about it that I don't like, that I hate even, and I wish that I could change, um, but that doesn't mean that I don't stop loving it.
0: I would agree with the, the, the people part for sure, amongst other things. Well, Holly Whitfield, I Love <laughs> Memphis blog and author of Secret Memphis, A Guide to the Weird, Wonderful, and Obscure. It is, it's actually selling out. It's, uh, it's sold out at Novel and at Burke's um, Book Juggler. I'm sure that she has it over there, too. Um, Tiger Book
1: uh, i to throw in as well. you got your Tiger's hat on. People can't see, but you do. <laughs> that's
0: right. Yes. Before we, um, before we wrap up, any other thoughts you might have?
1: I just want to tell people... How- again, how they can get it. Um, you mentioned that it was sold out at some local bookstores as of us talking today, but I know that they get shipments in really, really quickly. And so maybe by the time, I mean, certainly by the time people are listening to this, there will be more books at our local bookstores and you can also go to secretmemphis.com and get autographed copies, autograph signed, whatever you, you want to call it. Uh, For me, I will send them to you personally um, if you want to get it from secretmemphis.com, and then I do have the Instagram that I mentioned, which is just instagram.com/secretmemphis, that I will be sharing additional insights and a lot of the kind of stuff that you and I talked about today, um, and more photos and color photos and things like that. So yeah, secretmemphis.com, secretmemphis Instagram, and support our local bookstores. They're going to be getting in more copies if they don't have it at the moment you can like pre-order it right and then they'll tell you
0: when it's in right yeah very good holly whitfield thank you so much once again for coming i i feel like our chat today was well overdue
1: yes it's been too long we've both been dealing with all those press releases and i'm really thankful um that you reached out and i appreciate you having me on
0: okay cool You've been listening to Storyboard 30, and this is your host, Mark Fleischer. Thanks again to WIPL and the Memphis Public Libraries for their support, to producer Vance Durbin, and to WIPL broadcast manager Tommy Warren, and to you listeners and supporters of the library and FM 89.3. We hope you join us next time on Storyboard 30 for more conversation with those Memphis personalities and shapers who make our lives here in the Bluff City just a little bit better. Memphis, make it a great week, and make it a safe week.